Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ready? Play. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Whatever time it is in the world, wherever you are tuning in from. I am joined by Damien. Often it's Damien joined by someone else, but on this uh, rare occasion, in fact, I think it's my debut appearance on this show, yeah. at least from I've house. only missed one. So um, you've only I'll missed one, and, and this is this is apparently my first. from all the from all the talking tennis team, it's me who needs to get alive the most. So, <laughs> um... <laughs> the evidence is there in front of us. Well. Um, Certain other people have remained alive in the French Open draw today. There are more significant matches to talk about, but given it, he's on my screen right now and it's freshest in my memory. I'm going to begin with Taylor Fritz and the the shushing to the crowd, the shushing to the crowd at the end of that match. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, he was clearly getting a bit agitated um, between serves. I think they were obviously quite vociferous, and that frustration, joy mixed together, I think, spilled over with him shushing to the crowd. I can't hear exactly what he's saying right now. He's talking on, on court afterwards. Um, but it was kind of Daniel Medvedev-esque from New York in 2019, if you remember that. I mean, doing it for like one whole minute is pretty extra. <laughs> but, uh, well, he just did whatever felt like natural for him, right? After, after winning that, I don't really think you know it's anything to uh write home about or something uh but but certainly he did it for like a lot longer than most people would i think <laughs> I, yeah I, I was like really you're coming back and still doing this still, still? <laughs> okay fine yeah fine taylor i mean they're did not he... gonna be they're not gonna remember that on saturday so no, and he still seems to be getting a fairly warm reception. Um, uh, the thing is, in New York, they didn't forget. It took about three or four more matches. It wasn't until after he lost. It, it was probably until he was two sets to love down to Rafa in that final. The Americans started supporting him because they wanted to see more tennis, of course. And 
and uh and his speech afterwards was pretty cool and i think he's pretty much won the world over um various points during that new york tournament. well the world except for stefanos Tsitsipas, um i think have been won over by uh, Daniel Medvedev, but I, I've I've uh, I've digressed somewhat. Could just give us a quick take on that match between Mindenek and Fritz. Surprises at all? No, not really. I mean, good for Mindenek to have a showing like this. I think, uh, you know, he was injured from like be- between March to May. I think um, similarly last year actually that he was injured during the play season. Uh, I mean, he is a guy who can play on clay despite the aggressive sort of um you know game plan most of the time and like where how he um, got onto the tour which was basically playing like almost server volley in indoor events but certainly he can play on clay you know he can cover that backhand quite well also when he has a lot of time on it i think he um yeah it, it, it stops being a liability and um certainly he showed that today and yeah after a, a pretty rough start to the season i think he really needed to to be in a match like this how impactful that is for the tournament, I'm not really sure yet. You know, Fritz has that fantastic matchup coming up against Serundolo. And then to to also have to play Rune in the fourth round. Still a very long way from, like, you know, being a quarterfinalist, I think, if you have to play Serundolo and Rune back-to-back. So, um, yeah, not sure how impactful that is for the event, but um, definitely quite impactful, I think, on a, on a mental, on a confidence level for Rindernach rather than well for Fritz as well you know to come through after um after losing the opening set and really being pushed today because even even until the very end it, it was not you know crystal clear that it was going to be Fritz winning that until like you know the the the, the moment when he broke it for all yeah um and even then, I think even that serving out, there was a couple of moments. And of course, the reason he got probably annoyed is because there was a moment between two serves when when the crowd were being quite vociferous. But um, I didn't think the quality was that high for probably three and a half sets. I actually think the fourth set was probably the, the peak, especially those last three or four games. But I must say there was, you know, I know Rindernek won the first set 6-2, but Taylor Fritz was up 40 love on his serve and, was was I think his serving stats as well. I think both players were like at 35, 40% second serve points one. That did get better as the match went on, but I don't know. It just felt a, a bit like Holger Runa against Eubanks, which was a four-set match of the day. It was just just lots of errors, uh, you know, sl- sl- uh, miss hits and 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 shots going wide and and just yeah, I don't know. It just, it was it was interesting, but not. It wasn't any Alcaraz sinner, that's for sure. Alcaraz Sinner at Ron Garros, that's not happening. <laughs> no, it's not. That brings us nicely to what was clearly, for me, the match of the day. I saw this one pretty much in its entirety, so maybe I'm biased compared to the Monfils match, but uh, for me, it's the best match I've seen. I've not seen every match, but um, it was just, it had everything. I think the one thing it didn't have, I guess, was um, a Frenchman, which is why... Probably people will remember the Monfils match a, a little bit more fondly, perhaps. But but for me, it had everything. I mean, you had the swings, you had the drama, you had uh, Sinner sort of uh, being an, a, an elite player who is perhaps fancied by some to go far, but ended up going out. You know, we also had him having match points and having a net court go against him on a match point. Uh, as he was basically probably going to put away a volleyed winner. 
Uh, no certainties with that. But anyway, that also, though, by the way, came off. And this probably brings us to a generic point. It did come, he, he did kind of let Altmaier off the hook on that match point, didn't he? With going with the smash down the middle, which was the cautious decision, meaning Rinderneck was, sorry, um, uh, Altmaier was probably going to get a racket on it and actually he got more than a racket on it. It managed to fly back across the net, albeit it clipped it. But do you think he could have done better with that smash? I'm, I'm sure you do. Can you hear me, Damien? Um, yeah, I can. I will probably change my internet provider right now. <laughs> I mean, you're coming through loud and clear, by the way. You don't. I remember this happened last night, but we we get you clearly. But I don't know. Yeah, if you... and then and then it never appeared again. So maybe I'll actually, you know, leave it for now. But anyway, um, yeah. Should I already respond, or do you have yeah, anything more? Yeah. Um, no, no. I think Ghibli in the chat is being a little harsh on Altmaier still, but I guess it also kind of depends on your expectations. Like if um, if you considered uh, Sinner to be a um, contender for the whole thing, sure. Frank, I didn't. Um, you know, we've talked about it many times. Uh, I just didn't really figure that after his clay season kind of breaking down and like... Um, you know, the fact that he had to withdraw from Madrid, then uh, in Rome, he also lost to Serundola and was like pretty tame in the last two sets. I just probably, uh, hey everyone, uh, I just probably figured that uh, he was probably not among the, the, the main contenders for the title. Also on clay, I know he can play everywhere, right? I mean, he's a Ron Garros quarter finalist a few years back. Uh, he can play everywhere, obviously. Uh, but still, like, I just think this is probably not where he is at his strongest. Uh, I had him down in like um, a roundtable prediction that I did for for a website. Um, well, that I did roundtable prediction. So like you know, me and a few other people did. But mm-hmm. uh, I had him down as my early exit, which was like, which of the top eight seats do you think is going to be uh, kicked out of the tournament the earliest? Of mm-hmm. course, that wasn't really right because Medvedev was actually the one that got out. But um, I had Sinner there, even though I didn't really have a clear idea of who he can lose to. Like, I, I didn't think that Altmaier was going to beat him. I just kind of looked at him and, yeah, he can go out pretty early. I, I wouldn't be really shocked at this. Um, yeah, as he said, the match was just crazy. And I think even yesterday we were talking about the best of five format. And uh, I, I had a tweet about it that um, yesterday. And today we get this. And, like, this is just this sort of compelling narratives and stories that we wouldn't really be getting elsewhere that we can't get in a in a best of three scenario in the shorter format obviously enjoyed it a lot uh, is it my favorite match of the event so far um quite possibly as you said the drama was insane uh, the net courts but also Altmaier did like exactly the same thing as Sinner uh, on his fourth match point I think he clinched yeah. it on his like well, so six. Sinner did the same thing he 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 had a smash you mean you mean the smash that um I, oh, well, I mean oh, that- I see- I mean yeah, that I, Altmaier, Altmaier did the same as, uh, as Sinner, like on his fourth match point, I think, where he had an easy smash, just blasted it down. I mean, blasted, not even blasted. Ah, he just yes. pushed yes. it down the middle and Sinner yes. passes him with the forehand. Yeah. So it's literally the same. I don't think the net court was like even that impactful because even if the shot just made it in, um, just barely over the net, Sinner would have had a pretty tough volley. Of course, there's still a yeah. difference of getting a racket on it and like not even being able to do that. Uh, but of course, I think I, I would say that less. Uh, I would blame it less on luck, but more so on the Sinner smash. And uh, yeah, over the course of the match, I thought that Meyer did an excellent job. Certainly, the one hander was just ecstatic. 
basically for five hours. You know, the, the, the down the line bombs that he was just killing or uh, just adding more height to it and going at uh, going maybe cross court to Sinner's backhand, throwing, throwing him off his timing, uh, you know, just, just maybe mixing up the rhythm a lot. This was very helpful. I'm not going to say Altmaier played a perfect match. Certainly that um, the attempts to serve it out, especially he would get so defensive and just not have any depth on his shots at all. Maybe another one, another match as well, where maybe if Sinner had a net game, it would have been... Um, it would have been something just uh, to help him here because there were so many rallies when he had Altmaier on the defense and then just never really had an idea as to how to uh, how to finish it off. Of course, the smash being like the prime example on uh, on one of his match points. The other was, I think, a plus one backhand that he just threw out, but also a, an, an unforced error, of course. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think that this was probably more impressive from Altmaier than uh, the upset against Berrettini in, at Roland Garros in 2020, uh, just by the fact that, you know, he had to keep up this level in um, over the course of five hours. So um, I would say that, um, and Ghibli also talks about the one-handers, uh, that uh, in some ways clay makes one-handers seem vulnerable due to high bounce, but the extra time lets... Yeah, absolutely, and you could see that in this match. And I think Altmaier's one-hander is also one of the like least vulnerable ones, at least on clay, to yeah, just being rushed. And and you could see that this shot was just enormous for him today. And yeah, just in in so many different ways as well. And um, yeah, uh, I, I I can't really say I'm disappointed with Sinner uh, again, but I totally I totally get it if some people are because they simply thought that he was gonna. Um, yeah, do great here, and especially after Medvedev went out, right? That's that's when I guess as Sinner, if if you're Yannick Sinner, you're going to start thinking, okay, maybe this is my moment. Uh, yeah, Jake, as, as Jake says, the the one hander of Stan, you know, he only beat Federer on clay. He beat Fe- Djokovic like four out of six times that he beat him on clay, and you know, it's it's not an accident, definitely not. I mean. I, I I'm probably a little bit more positive about Altmaier today than than Ghibli is in that he was really playing really well. I mean, some of the backhand winners that we we touched on, and maybe they look better because they're one-handers. But no, I'm I'm impressed with a, a, a decent double-handed backhand too. But but I don't know. I thought yes, he had a couple of moments on his serve, but. Um, Bearing in mind as well that he, you know, I thought when he loses the third set, I thought, well, that's done now, really. In fact, to be honest with you, when he, yeah, when he lost the third set, I thought that that was it. Um, and yeah, I, of course, he goes a breakdown as well in the fourth set and and, and Sinner's serving for it. Um, I'm just trying to remember the other match point. I actually don't remember the other match point, but um, uh, yeah, but the, the back, back to now, now Altmaier, of course, has two bites at the cherry. And uh, in terms of uh, twice serving for it, I think altogether he had five match points. Um, and on the one that we touched upon where, uh, oh, there was also a smash from Yannick Sinner. I th- if it, it wasn't, I don't think, facing a match point, but it was when Altmaier was serving for the match. And Yannick Sinner now gets his revenge for the net cord because he does a smash that clips the net cord takes the power out of the smash and actually you know just means it's actually impossible for um for Altmaier to get his racket on so it wasn't exactly revenge or evening itself up I wouldn't say bearing in mind uh you know really Yannick could well have done this in four sets but I do think I would like to come to a broader point about Yannick which is 
from the moment it went into a fifth set, he was struggling. And we've seen this a lot. We've seen him cramping a lot over three sets, four sets, five sets in the past. I do think we are now at a point where it's like becoming a bit too frequent. I know you can point to the matches with Alcaraz, five sets with with Carlos, and also he played five sets in the round before. But those are actually in the minority where he's... And he still lost to Carlos, don't forget, and he was a a breakup, I think, in the fifth. Um, You know, so I'm just a bit... That's probably one of the concerns about Yannick. Um, Do you share those concerns? Honestly, you should... should, um, I got kind of distracted because you should put the tweet on the screen that Ria is referencing... What the hell is that, guys? Like uh, Richard Gasquet. Oh has yes, not yes, I've seen it, and I was going to bring it to our attention, but it's so weird that I, I don't yeah. understand it. I think he, he might have his tw- account. Look, I'll show it to you. I actually saw it about five, ten minutes ago. Yeah, he hasn't it's- tweeted since January 2022. Then only retweeted like a couple of things since then. But I think, it and could then be- he puts this. I think it's on? fake news. I think it's fake news. I mean, it's just sounds like a joke, right? I mean. Yeah, but it Ghibli, not, Ghibli, just look at the screen now. Yeah, it's um, not even that funny. That he though. is retiring and he's going to devote himself to his new project. What just the hell me. is that? I, it's I, I had to check the date. It's the first of June. I wasn't sure if it was the first of April <laughs> when I saw this, yeah. but um, it's also look at the picture he's chosen of him. It's from about looks like about ten years ago. Um, yeah, I saw I it. My first thought was that I was going to interrupt you because we were talking about Taylor Fritz. I think. I saw it like about 10 minutes ago. And I thought, oh, hang on a second. Okay. We really should stop talking about Taylor Fritz shushing the crowd. But then I I, I read it again. And I saw this just an egg coin. And uh, I, I yeah, I, I thought I had a coup for uh, talking tennis and we were going to break the news to our audience. But I then sort of read it a couple more times and just thought, this is not, I don't, but maybe he's had his account hacked, maybe even by the just egg coin people. But, um, but maybe it is real or maybe he has signed a deal with these guys and he's given them some publicity this way. I imagine it's a crypto hack as Ghibli is suggesting. Yeah. Uh, that would make more sense. So uh, unless we hear otherwise, let's get back to the tennis uh, uh, just quickly anyway. So on Sinner and these, these physical issues, do you think it's, do you think I'm exaggerating? Um, I mean, he played for five hours today, you know, but of course he has been pretty fragile in that um most of last year he was like sometimes injured sometimes healthy basically and that was really hurting him there were a lot of withdrawals there were some retirements uh but yeah like today you know he played for five hours um of course something for, 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 up, for, but... for half half an hour he was his movement was mm. yeah i mean something flared up but he played for five hours that's pretty normal right but yeah, over the course of his career, he's definitely been more injury prone than some other guys. But, you know, we're seeing it so much with younger players these days that um, maybe it's just something that's going to go away with age. It's not something that is currently like the, the, the main thing stopping him, I think, from yeah achieving even better results. You know, he's still he has still improved so much in 2023. So um, I think it's fine, really. Anyway, um, just a little reminder about um, Fritz Shushin the crowd. Any final thoughts on that? Who's Altmaier due to play next? Um, that would have to be Zverev. Ooh. No, Zverev would be... No, no, no. Zverev would be uh, Tiafo, sorry. So that would be the forefront. So Sinner was supposed to play... I can't remember. 
<laughs> Absolutely cannot remember. In now. Uh, could it be Taylor Fritz? Dimitrov, maybe? Was, was ah, it yeah, Dimitrov? it's Dimitrov. Yeah. No, Fritz is playing Serunto. Yeah, Dimitrov, yeah. Does he, have a, does he have a chance against Dimitrov? I think he does. Of course he does. What 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 we looking at? 50-50? Nah, that's that's a stretch, but you know. It it's nothing that cannot happen, of course. He has a better chance that he probably did against Sinner. Um it's still Grigor Dimitrov who, well, has also had his fair share of physical issues recently, right? And um generally has not been the steadiest player out there. Nice battle of one handers. I don't know if I'll be watching it, but uh, we'll see. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, anyway, uh, what match can we move on to next? We'll stick with the men and we'll come to the women in the second half. Um, just trying to remember some of the other matches from today. So we had Zvedev winning in straight sets. I don't know if you caught any of that. Or did that take you by surprise, the comfort with which he, he won his match over Malchan? Not really, you know. Molten has not been at his best either. So um, I generally find that, like, if, if Zverev was playing Karatsev next, I wouldn't have liked his chances. Um, I don't think. Um, playing Tiafo, it kind of opens up the draw for him, for sure. Uh, but there's still, there's still some questions. Then again, he is one of the players who will be happy with Sinner going out of the event, right? Altmaier, yeah. Dimitrov, um, Zverev, Tiafo, one of them will reach the quarters right now. So um, he definitely has a chance there. And uh, and he did look pretty fine today. I mean, especially compared to how he played against Harris. But I suppose against Harris, the biggest issue was just him not doing anything on return. And, well, against Molchan, that's not going to be an issue, realistically. So, I mean, here is the group of people in the third round on the men's on this side of the draw i'm going to show it on the screen right now and I'll, I'll come to some of the more specific matches shortly but these this is the third round lineup for uh saturday on that half of the draw that's obviously not the djokovic alcaraz half of the draw which is coming up tomorrow so one of these uh 16 people on our screen in nine days 10 days from now is going to be gracing philip chatrier with a shot at winning the french open um, Holger Rune, is that the one that has to be the most likely from this bunch? I mean, he has a f free win, basically, in the third round. That already helps him, of course. Um, Serundola Fritz, um, is that tough in the fourth round? It is somewhat tough, but you would still expect to beat him. Uh, so Rune will play the them. winner of Serundola Fritz, will he? Yeah. If he beats Olivieri. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you think as well him having a walkover with the with the Monfils withdrawal, does that help him a little bit potentially? Well, for Rune, we are always looking at some potential fitness issues, cramps, and etc. Right. So, not playing a match. Then again, if he was to play Monfils yesterday, would that really change much? I mean, it would have been a one hour, fifty minutes match at <laughs> best, probably. 
Like, I would imagine that, that was just the right. reality, right? That that was just the reality after Monfils played Bias for, um, yeah, until midnight yeah. basically, or even even after that. So, um, I think uh, may, perhaps it doesn't really change that much. And Olivieri, like that, would be upset of the century levels for me. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, he definitely is the main contender here. You have to look at Rude. Um, I am kind of interested to see how Root plays against Junk and how he potentially then could play against Jari. Uh, these are like pretty similar matchups, I suppose, where you just get a guy blasting a big ball coming at him. I'm not sure he holds up that well against it. Uh, you know, when uh, at the US Open last year, when Jiren Zhang was supposed to play him in the second round, I was like screaming about Zhang beating him in that second round. Of course, Root ended up making the final. I still think Zhang would have been like the favorite against Ruth back then. But of course, Zhizhen Zhang was in ridiculous form last summer. And uh, he ended up blowing seven match points to lose to Team Van Rijthoven in the second round and uh, in the first round. And then that's why he never played Ruth. On clay, do I think his chances are as good? And do I think his form is this good? Definitely not. But I still want to see how, how Ruth holds up in this and also against Jari potentially. Very similar matchups in terms of how they, they will play out, I think. And just people who can come out and, you know, pick on the day. Oh, did this cut me off now? I can still hear you loud and clear. Ah, um, okay. that, that's very weird, but okay. And yeah, just just very similar guys who can just peek and, and potentially throw him out, I think. You have to look at them as the main favorites, right? Because in, oh. the, um, in the bottom quarter, there's just not that much. However, of course, I, I am honestly at this point pretty convinced that Thiago Seipovilt can be in the quarterfinals here. Mm-hmm, easily mm-hmm. uh and um yeah if, if he makes it today. there I, i'm not gonna be the guy who tells you he cannot keep going yeah because he would I have mean, been it wasn't a perfect Sinner, match but you know it's just more important on, sort of i think to hmm? he would have been on course to play sinner so that is not now gonna oh, happen in the quarters but yeah yeah in the quarters so so i don't know who he'll play well, he could potentially play um, Altmaier, Dimitrov, or, or somebody else in in the quarters, and Altmaier, yeah, Dimitrov, Zverev, Tiafoe in the quarters, and in the fourth yeah. round he plays Chorichoretoferi. Okay, let's play a very quick game from this half of the draw. These sixteen players, just to get to the final, not to win the tournament, but to get to the final. Would you yeah. take Runa or the field? The field. It's yeah. uh, like probability wise, it's definitely the field. Do yeah, I think Rune is first? Definitely. But yeah, yeah pr- just in terms of probabilities, it's not like Rune is over 50%. No. All right. This is not the end of the game yet, um, uh, oh, Damien. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not. This is still, this is round one of the game. Now that it could end in round two. We'll see where the, where the camel, which is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Okay. okay. Uh, Rune. Oh, I understand how you're going to be going. You can, about you've this. read my mind. Yeah. yeah. But I think I'm going to go with. Um, Runa, I, I guess this could be the straw that but if I said Runa and Rude or the field, that's gonna break the camel's back, right? It could. Um you know it, it's hard to count this. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking like, of going I, I for no a, a lighter weight option like months. an Altmaier or Dimitrov, but then I thought no, I still think I actually think that Runa Rude yeah. Runa Rude makes about 50-50-50, maybe just just go over the edge for me if you gave me runa and rude yeah, and over the field uh, where are they where the, when are they due to meet quarters or semis quarters quarters 
You still don't know the draw at all, John. I mean, I'm disappointed. Sorry, <laughs> I, could probably, I, I, got... I could probably just rattle off the the the, the whole. Um, but that's also because I've been on every single last ball drops but one. So okay, um, that that's probably also because of that. No, but uh, I should because asleep. I know that I know that Vilt, <laughs> Vilt against Sinner or, or Medvedev Sinner was was one quarter. So I should have known that yeah. Rude against Moon will be. Uh, no, no, no. I, I I totally get what you mean, and frankly, I think because they are in the same quarter, this actually kind of increases the likelihood of either of them making the final because yeah. we are assuming that like either of them makes the semis and then they only need to win one match so so yeah, yeah. i would say uh Ruth, runa probably better than the, the rest of the chances but yeah like i i really cannot tell you that if someone like Sabofield would get to the quarters he would just suddenly um you know maybe maybe the pressure gets to him we haven't seen it yet but that's also like his second grandson major i think so uh yeah who knows i mean at some point it might hit him uh, i don't think he was perfect he's saying that maybe he could throw in a bunch of errors against nishioka certainly it is a possibility he played the lefty already which i think kind of increases his chances for the nishioka match and then again you know nishioka and clay he he's just here because he got a really good draw so um i i it would be very disappointing for Sabofield to lose right now. Like if he loses to Choric Echeverry, of course that that's not that's a normal result. He's he's not a top ten player right now or something. Uh, maybe he will be in a couple of years. I don't know. Who we'll see. But um, you know, Choric Echeverry, that's a fine loss. But if he lost to Nishioka from this position, that would be very disappointing for his run. Um, Gil Gross is convinced he'll be a top 30 player very, very soon. And uh, that seems to be justified. Uh, top 10 uh, is a long way away, but you never know. Uh, listen, you mentioned Echeverri. Uh, I'll share a nice image. With all due respect, with all, I actually have to say, I have to say something. I have to say something. Go on. With all due respect to Gil Gross, who, whom I really like, I'm pretty sure that the only match he watched from, say, this year was against Medvedev. So, oh, quite, quite possibly. Know, but I have like reservations towards opinions like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure he would say it too. Like, you know, that's yeah, that's but, just really um, it. I'm just trying to so, remember what he sort of said. He did um, say anyway. That... Uh, there was also something in the um, chat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just reading Ghibli's comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that could be an issue. That so could hinder his uh, top 30 chances for sure. Boris Becker was also in jail, but thankfully it was way long after his Yeah, retirement. 20 years after he uh, <laughs> But anyway, uh, Gilly is also saying, can Jari make a semi? I think to um, like expect Jari to beat Rude and Drune back to back, if that's like, that's I guess at this point what we are expecting him um, to do if he wants to make a semi. On the slower clay in Paris, I don't know if I see it. But certainly a very nice win for him today against Tommy Paul. Um, the the fact that was reasonably clean, uh, you know, against someone with good, with some good return skills, the athleticism of Paul, I think that's a really good sign for for the Chilean. He plays Giron, who like in a way is a worse version of Tommy Paul and Clay, I think. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I like his chances to get to the forefront. But beating Rude Rune back to back on slow Clay, I think that could be too much. If, if, if we were in Geneva, I would probably be uh, more on board. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. 
Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. by the way, his winter day, did that take you by surprise? Straight sets over the um, I mean, the, the, the straight set nature of it, for sure. I did not watch it. Um, I saw that Giron was like winning 80% of his serve points or something like that. So it must have been a very poor showing from Lehechka or you know, maybe he was hampered by something. But yeah, that was one of the, the matches that definitely got lost in translation for me today. Um, what about Francis Tiafo against Karatsev? Because... I know that um, mm-hmm. yourself and even more so Jack were, were convinced of a, of a Karatsev win. I think many of us, to be fair, did expect um, the Russian to prevail, but ended up going out, I think, in four sets to Tiafo. I, 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 of course, Tiafo did win a clay court tournament back in the uh, beginning of April, I think, in, in, the, in the North American sort of clay court tournament that they had in, I think it was in the US. Um, then he didn't play Monte Carlo and... Houston. and in Houston, thank you, yeah. And then he didn't play Monte Carlo and, and didn't really tear anything up in, in Madrid or Rome. So, um, But he's not completely incapable on clay. Did he win Estoril or get to the final in Estoril last year as well? So, yeah. But anyway, what, what are your thoughts on that match today? Yeah, Matthew is mentioning the stats that, that I was like looking at. And yeah, Giron was just winning everything on his serve, which was super weird to me. But yeah, um, Tiafo, uh, he made the final in Estoril, but he also won it a few years back. I think that's still yeah. to... Um, no, he actually has two ATP titles, right? They're, they're in Estoril, I think. Um, uh, but yeah, or... generally speaking, I would... Oh, Houston third one this year, yeah. Because it's this year, I still haven't, you know, actually put it into my brain. It, it, it's still, it, I'm still on uh, the stats from 2022. I would say uh, that today, uh, I, I can't even say that I was really wrong about Karatsev against Tiafo. One thing that I definitely did not expect was going to be working so well for Tiafo was just his first serve. Like he was not able to, Karatsev was not able to read anything there basically um yeah w- was just unable for the whole four sets to even come close most of the time to tiafo on on return which uh i think um i also read it i think in that jack prediction that i mentioned yesterday and that you just referenced that um mm-hmm. on the clay in paris the serve is going to be neutralized and that that was one of the um like main aspects of why jack thought that it was going to be so easy uh, but then again you know karatsev had two set points at 5-4 in the third he miss he misses them and then suddenly the match like gets turned around uh, turned around completely. Uh, what was definitely quite um, you know what was like the main strong point of Karatsev today, and I think it was also the case in the many matches that he played in Madrid was like that he comes out against a guy who you know has a pretty aggressive playstyle and like has weapons, and he just completely takes every, like takes the racket out of their hands and they cannot do anything. Uh, you know, it was at the levels where Karatsev would have 30 unforced errors and winners and Tiafo had, had like 10 or something like that. And that's that's the sort of domination that Karatsev can have from the ground over his opponents. And um, yeah, Karatsev was just absolutely, um, yeah, duffing him in rallies, as Ghibli says. And um, suddenly, uh, suddenly that uh, moment when he misses two set points comes and that's when the match is over. Uh, Karatsev won like two games after that, I think. Two of the next um, eight. and uh, No, sorry, two, two of the next ten even. So, um, yeah, basically that was it. Uh, that's why I can't really say that I was completely wrong because, you know, Karatsev was sort of in position to win this match, in a position to win this match. He was um, 
yeah, he had uh, he had two set points to go to one up, but certainly the the quality of uh, Tiafoe's first serve and how Karatsev couldn't really do anything against it was um, eventually like the yeah most mostly was like the reason behind the win and certainly something that I think a lot of us undervalued when it comes to this one. Uh, then again, of course, if Karatsev wins today, he plays Zverev, then doesn't have to play Sinner, right? So that opening was very much there if he if he actually beats uh, TFO today. Um, but he didn't, and it's now a lot. It's now really open uh, yeah. in that in that little section for sure. I mean, I mean, if he wins today, he, he could go all the way to the. I mean, Karatsev, this is could go all the way to the final. Um, you know, I, I don't. That's kind of what I started thinking at some point, you know, because yeah. I, I I remember thinking that like Karatsev can play Medvedev in the quarters, and then still, uh, even though I like the matchup so much, and Karatsev has beaten beaten him a couple of times, he has all these like short angles that he can use to lure Medvedev forward a little bit, maybe uh, just get him into some uncomfortable footwork patterns. And yet somehow I just I just figured you know how likely is Karatsev to get to the quarters? Medvedev is more likely, so that's why I'm taking Medvedev for the semis. But once mm-hmm. Karatsev would be actually in the quarters, you would like his chances against like most people, like maybe Same not built. as a favorite, but like, you yeah. know, yeah, as a forty. And that it's a similar I guess thing, right? For Sabovic, once he is in the quarters, uh, if he gets there, of course. We are going to be like, okay, he has a chance against anyone. He, we cannot really exclude the possibility that he's going to win, um, even if he's not going to be favored, of course, against guys like Rude, Rune, Alcaraz, Djokovic, and etc. He's one. He and Karatsev are definitely among this group where we would say that okay, he has a chance to win every match if he just plays at his peak level. And you know, both of them have already shown it. Um, well, Karatsev many times, Sabovic maybe like twice or thrice. But I would say this year he's certainly like playing his Santiago 2020 stuff over an extended period of time. So the two or three players and their victories today that we haven't touched upon um, would be Borna Chorich. What, what do you think about his chances for now and uh, and against Echeverri, for example? Well, it was a bit of a slugfest. Um, I think this has been touched by, um, you know, touched on, touched on by um, a few of us already on 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 these streams as well. I remember talking with Vansh about it that like Chorich seems to do well in all these faster events, rather, and including on clay. So like you know the the run that he had in Madrid, the one in Rome, he also made the quarters, but it was like far less far less impressive. And uh, yeah, so far it's just been a total slugfest for him, which makes sense. But he has been surviving. And uh, yeah, against Echeverri, I'm not going to say that I don't believe that he can win. I think maybe Echeverri like, should be um, a tiny favorite. I don't think it will be like that for the bookies, you know. I think, I think like for me, Echeverri is probably a tiny favorite just because I think he can handle these sort of conditions much better and Chorich probably doesn't have really that much to hurt him with. And um, yeah, I, ju- I just think, oh, Echeverri is actually the favorite for the bookies. So scratch that. I, I just yeah. totally agree with it, it seems. And um, yeah, the Echeverri forehand is just something incredible. Maybe it's not the shot that's going to give you like 60 forehand winners a match. It's not a Sabofield forehand in that sense. But just the, the way he can be so consistent with it and it's so heavy too. Um, I, I think he has the better slow clay skill set than Chorich. And um, this would also be, uh, I think I said something like that it would be the icing of the on the cake of Echeverri's transformation this year, like into a into a full-time two-level player, which has been amazing. We knew that he had it in him. 
Uh, it was just that he wasn't delivering in all these Golden Swing events in the past. Of course, now he had a fi- final in Santiago, later a final in Houston. Uh, for a guy like Echeverri, um, obviously, it is more key to like peak in these clay events because on hard courts, he's likely not going to do that much. He has been improving on hard as well, but like he, no, no, the, the results are not going to be as great as they can be on clay. But yeah, I think it would be a very good reward and just like a way to finish off that um, excellent period of, uh, yeah, just excellent patch that he's had recently. And um, as uh, actually it turns out that the bookies or like the odds makers have already caught up with him as well. And they also consider him a stronger slow play player than Chorich. So um, yeah, I like that matchup a lot. I think it's actually going to be pretty tight and should be really good to watch. Okay, any final thoughts on, on the day's play on the men's side before we switch over to the women? Um, probably not. Let me look at, like, the, um, yeah, just the matches. Uh, Ruth was, like, in trouble for a bit, but I guess He's that's what you got can injured, get with right, these matches, like Ruth Zepieri. Um, yeah, yeah, he, but but um, there was actually a controversial moment when uh, Zepieri took an MTO 5-all, five, 15-40 down yeah. in the fourth set. yeah. Um, which was probably just for cramps. Of course, you never know. And that's also why the rules are kind of weird in that sense. Rude looked a um, bit annoyed. Rude looked a bit annoyed, but the fact that he... he Of course you're going to be annoyed. But he won the next point and he was very nice afterwards, of course, and everything was great and he wins the match, but he was a bit annoyed. But I guess that doesn't really matter that much that Rude was there in in trouble there. He has so many players like this in his section, you know, explosive guys who like the main challenge is going to be whether they can actually maintain this level over the course of uh, at least three sets or and not whether they actually like have it in them. So, yeah, if he plays Zapieri, uh, Jari, Zhang in a row, I think that's really fairly similar to, um, you know, all of them are pretty fairly similar in that in this regard, of course. Zapieri is not quite at the level of Zhang and Jari. And um, yeah, thank you, Jane, for the $5. Mafia oh, is also Jane. asking about... Um, yeah, Mafia is asking about Zhang potentially troubling Rude. I think he has the style to do it, right? He has that huge serve. He has just excellent technique, perfect clean ball striking when he's on. Um, as I said earlier, I don't know if you were here already, but um, I definitely thought that Zhang had a great chance to beat Rude at the US Open. It didn't end up happening because he had an awful choke against Van Rijtoven. Uh Seven match points blown in the third set, and then he lost it in five. But I thought that the US Open, it made a lot of sense. It makes slightly less sense in Paris, probably, just because, you know, not. it's not even that Zhang is poor on clay or something. Last year, when he had that phenomenal run in the summer, he kept making clay finals um, on the Challenger Tour. So... Um, I think it's mostly about just Root being a lot more comfortable here than uh, than he would be in New York, even if he made the final. But, you know, we've talked about this many times. And also, Jake says, uh, I, I will just put it on the screen about the Zapieri forehand. Fantastic stroke, definitely. And and yeah, I also, I also thought he would push him. Um, he wouldn't just go down without a fight. So after the first two sets, I was a little worried, but um, ended up being pretty much what we expected then. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, 
that sort of, I think, finishes the, the men's half at yeah. least uh, of the day. Um, make sure you hit the like button, by the way, for those of you tuning in. And, and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. We can see uh, I've got quite a few people tuning in, which is great. Um, but we can only keep doing this and keep going if we have more and more subscribers uh, to make it all worthwhile. Um, okay, over to the women uh, on the women's side. Uh, the matches or, uh, that I either saw in their entirety or had my eye on at one point or another would have been Rebecca, by the way, in, in winning her match 6-3-6-3. I didn't think she was amazing, but maybe that's a mark of just where we are at right now with uh, um, Elena Rebecca in that she can win matches comfortably at Grand Slams against players as good as Noskova with consummate ease, as I said here, without playing anywhere near her best. Um, I, I talked. I talked about this a bit yesterday. That um, this is a, maybe a controversial opinion because, of course, Noskova won the French as um, you know in the juniors, but I still I, I would buy her stock on hard courts uh, on clay. I am not so convinced that she can beat like the top players in the world. I think she is really reliant on timing and like whenever she can maybe um, get a bit of a lower bounce. Then she would be, um, she would just be more effective against the very top, uh, against the elite, and uh, yeah, I think in the in the Rebakina matchup, it kind of shows that Rebakina also has the advantage of having a huge serve, and even though she she is so reliant on timing herself, she just has so much more like raw power, uh, you know that she's so much stronger as well. Um, Jake also says I think probably on Muscova that movement was an issue. Um, I, I'm assuming that it's on on Muscova. And um, yeah, just just a very clean win, and I think both uh, both Nick and I yesterday said that we kind of expected it, and um, I think that so far Bakina has definitely like avoided tricky opposition. Uh, she kind of she played two very young two very young checks, but you know she she has definitely avoided that tricky opposition a bit. I'm not sure where Soribes Tormo is right now. I haven't seen her in her comeback, uh, you know, since her comeback. But it kind of feels like uh, a match that could go two ways. And I'm not talking about the winner because that, of course, like a tennis match can always go two ways. But like one way is just a total grind fest where you're not going to have a clue who's going to win at all until the very end. And the other is just Rybakina coming out and just blasting her off the court in an hour. And I feel like we're going to get either um, either of these two. Uh, I would say that the fact that she, she might blast her off the court is a little more likely. Okay. Uh, yeah, Petra Martic and Madison Keys going out today. Um, uh, Martic, of course, had a pretty good run in Madrid before she ran into Eager, like most people do on this surface, uh, and, and, and come unstuck. Um, Madison Keys, of course, the 20th seed going out in three sets to a compatriot day. I don't know if either of those two defeats caught you by surprise. Um, I mean, odds-wise, I know Day was like a huge underdog. Um, I certainly didn't think much of her run either. Do I still uh, think, um, you know, do, do, do I still, uh, am I still in this position? I think so. You know, this is Madison Keys and Clay. You never really quite know what's going to happen. And of course, he, she hit like 74, I think, unforced errors. Um, yeah, was also like not really getting anything out of her serve. Uh, winning about 40% of the points, I think, on it. So, yeah, I, I would say it was just more of a rough showing from Keys. And um, I, there are actually still uh, four... <laughs> uh, there's a pun in the chat from Jake as well. Um, 
So yeah, I, I would say of the of the five qualifiers left, I mean four qualifiers plus a lucky loser in the women's draw, Day is definitely the one that doesn't really like evoke. Um, it, she doesn't really evoke the feelings that she could keep going in this event and like become a real threat to. Um, yeah, to make the semis or something. Uh, but then again, I think her draw is also pretty cool, right? Because that was the section where um, Schmidlova was was in, probably. Schmidlova, uh, yeah, yeah. Be, she's, um, playing, she's, playing, she, she's playing. She's playing Schmidlova. But do we think that Kyla Day, even if she plays Schmid, even if she beats Schmidlova, uh, can have a shot against Andrieva Orgov? That just seems like uh, it's going to be a pretty easy forefront for whoever comes out of that uh, blockbuster. Hadab Meyer winning in three sets um, as well. So that's the first time I think Hadab Meyer has reached a third round at a Grand Slam in her career. Is that right? Uh, in like seven or eight attempts or something like that? Um, yeah, absolutely. She, uh, this was her 12th uh, Grand Slam major, I believe. Uh, she actually lost seven times at the round two stage before. Some of these were really tough. Like uh, I actually glanced through these records today and it was like um, four, no, sorry, three times she played the top 10 player. I think it was Kerber, Pliskova and someone. One time she played Halep, who was uh, 15th at the time. So also really tough. There was also a match with Andrescu. Um, you can you can really just say that you know of course a Grand Slam champion. There was one maybe where she had a chance where it was actually the only set that she had won against Harriet Dart. Uh, but uh, today she finally uh, got over the line, which um, I don't know if it was like an emotion, like a mental block for her to get out of the second round, but it was certainly something about playing at the slums, right? Because if you have so much success elsewhere. And it just keeps happening that you lose very early at the slums, then you clearly have some sort of an issue for it. I don't think it was specifically the third round, the second round, right? But um, certainly something was blocking her. And of course, the w with all the success, the amazing results that have gotten her to number 12 even, uh, you know, it's pretty wild that she didn't have a grandson third round. Jake is asking about the um, Shiontek's first two rounds. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, not really, not really any opponents who could trouble her. I think um, they both play somewhat aggressively, but just are I think really overwhelmed with the weight of shots that Fiontek has. And um, well, actually, I think last time she played both Buxa and Liu, she won six love six one. Uh, these ones were, of course, at least in terms of the scoreline, more competitive. Uh, but I still would say that. Um, well, it was mostly on her racket, you know, and she she definitely came out in both matches struggling with the with the wind a little bit, um, get, giving some games away uh, in a while. Uh, well, in a way, and especially today there was that one uh, well service break that I think she just committed four unforced errors on, and you know that was really it. Um, so yeah, matchup wise, as you say, I think it was pretty easy, and um, yeah, just just two similar matches where she struggles for a while, but it's mostly with like finding her timing, tuning in uh, the ground strokes. And then when she actually does, they just don't have a shot anymore whatsoever. But we kind of knew it, it, that's what was going to happen, right? I mean, she um, she had a, a very good draw until the fourth round. Now that Krejcikova is out, you could probably even argue that she has a very good draw until the quarters. I would absolutely love to see Sviontek Andreeva in the quarters. And I think that would actually be a match that could um, be uh, very exciting also in terms of like being close. Um, well, Andrescu right now is playing pretty well too. So maybe Andrescu in the forefront is actually, maybe Andrescu is going to turn out uh, more dangerous than Krejcikova. You know, we know what the Canadian can do. So 
um, yeah, maybe that's I actually think, um, not that easy. Yeah, I think from the fourth round onwards, it could be. I mean, there's so many things that happen, and we all start plotting draws and stuff, even at the, even after two rounds, and they normally get blown to smithereens. But uh, yeah. a run to the final of Andreescu, Andreeva, Rybakina, and then whoever she plays in the final. I mean, Sabalenka is the one that springs to mind, but I think there's no guarantees there. You know, that would be a that would be a tougher run to the final than than probably she's had in the past. Um, but anyway, that's that's still to come. And Dave, I'm glad you mentioned her. I mean, winning her match, just losing three games against Parry today. Um, any thoughts on Andreva? I mean, you touched on Andreescu as well, so feel free to, to spread the word on either of those. Um, I mean, I, I barely watched Andreescu, frankly. Just uh, mostly I'm going her. by what I've read people um saying on like twitter and stuff uh but of course um if she is feeling confident if she is in form she's a threat to everyone so um yeah now that i think of it maybe actually andrescu would be even tougher than kretikova in the forefront but you know a lot depends on health as well as usual and yeah just on what sort of andrescu we see because certainly this day uh these days she seems to have um these bad days at the office quite um quite often i would say um andreeva she's just done uh, yeah remarkably well so far she has been probably a little cleaner than we could have expected basically in five matches in paris so far she was pushed just once and she was pushed by an an incredibly danger- dangerous player maybe the fact that she came in osorio, you osorio mean? in the yeah yeah and I mean, yeah. the, maybe the fact that she came through against Osorio in the final qualifying round, maybe this is something that actually helps her as well. Because, yeah, that was just a really high quality match. You know, there, there was a lot of pressure, even though she won it in straights. Um, the tense tiebreaker, uh, she really had to dig deep to win that one. So maybe this will really help her. And yeah, Andrea Vagov, uh, no one really needs to be convinced of the fact that this is a blockbuster. Two extremely young players. One, of course, has already been at so, like the top level for years, but at the same time, she has some very like, glaring weaknesses in her game, which, well, that's kind of impressive, right? To to be in the top 10 and then have them. And Andreeva, who just seems like the real deal as well. So um, yeah, that's just um, incredibly exciting. I actually wonder... I, I'm assuming that you that you haven't checked that, so I can just um, I also haven't. So let's see it in a moment. But I remember like a couple of days ago on one of these shows, I mm-hmm. uh, I remember wondering whether Andrieva would be the favorite over Golf, you know, odds wise. Oh, yeah, I'd like to know that. I think yeah. she will be, um, but of course, to the casual observer, probably most people would think Golf would be the favorite, you know, top ten in the world, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, last year's finalist. But I think the bookies probably uh, are over this and aware of where Goff is at right now. I did actually watch parts of her Goff's match today. And actually, I was surprised at how comfortable uh, she found things. I thought that, um, I think the first couple of games was a bit tricky for Coco, but once she sort of uh, got the match by the stranglehold, she never let go. And I don't know, it was a bit of a surprise that, that she found it so comfortable. So maybe there is some hope for her. But for me, it's it's 60-40. For me, in Andreva's favor, does that mean that I think it's going to go three sets? No. Uh, I just think if they played each other 10 times, then Coco would win four. But probably the, win, the ones that Coco wins are all in straight sets and the ones that Andreva wins. I, don't, I see it being a sort of all or nothing kind of uh, a result. I, I don't see it going to a third set tiebreak. I could be entirely wrong. But the way it seems to me is, is Andreva is, is super on it or, or, or not at the moment. I mean, 
when she comes up against a big opponent like Sabalenka, she went out understandably in in a sort of a tamer way than we would expect. But she also rolled over Leila Fernandez and Lynette, I think, in that tournament and someone else uh, of, of a high stature with consumer ease. And yeah, I would make make her 60-40 favor. What are the bookies suggesting? I haven't checked that yet, but I, I think I agree with you that I would actually expect her. But no, Goff is the slight favorite, at least for yeah. now. You know, the uh, the market can change things up, of course, if people start betting on Andreeva, then she's going to be. But actually, Goff is the favorite, and it's somewhat close to what you said about like 60%. Uh, but actually, I see that uh, like the, well, at least on some of the bookies that I see here on this website, um, she even started as a much bigger favorite, and it it has already shifted in Andreeva's well, favor. That... So I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if this becomes like even later on. But for me personally, Andreeva is also the favorite. Um, I, I definitely second that. Uh, but yeah, that's the match everyone has to watch. I think on Saturday, and um, yeah, let's hope it will be great. I do agree that there is a big chance that Andreeva wins this pretty comfortably. Uh, then yeah. again, of course, no one really has like an excellent sample size on Andreeva yet. No one really knows how she's going to be, uh, like how she's going to do over, yeah, five months on tour, let's say. Um, even myself, like I've probably watched her five, six times, which is probably much higher than most people because, yeah, we just haven't had many chances, right? So mm -hmm. uh, even even myself, you know, I've watched her like six times. So I cannot really, I cannot really um, say that I have like the full estimation of her abilities yet either. So and I was um, the first, the first sort of time I could have seen. I mean, I could have actually gone to the match because I was in Madrid at the time and and obviously had a press accreditation. But um, I think that was like first on. It was like a half past ten, eleven o'clock. I was about an hour away from the venue anyway, so there was no way I was going to get there for this. And and she played Leila Fernandez. And the big story for me was, wow, Leila Fernandez has gone out in the first round to a to a 16-year-old. And, of course, we popped that that did age a little bit better for Leila in that, obviously, she went to tear it up and, and get as far as, I think, the fourth round there before she lost to Sabalenka. Um, and now she's, she's tearing things up again right now. And she's talking about winning 23, 24 Grand Slams. Um, well, fine. I, I don't have a, a problem with that. I mean, some people might do, but um, that'll be the Grand Slam police. She, she does seem like insanely um, strong mentally, right? Like yeah. she has not wilted under pressure basically any time we've seen her. Uh, well, maybe the Australian Open Junior Finals, but I didn't really think that much of it at the time. But, you know, since she showed up in all these big events, she is just amazing. And... Um, I've said it a few times before about Holger Rune, I think, that um, I think this sort of mentality can be really good for a player. Like, um, you, you kind of have to be a little bit, well, uh, in Rune's case, I remember I said crazy. In Andreeva's case, I'm just going to say overconfident. But, like, you kind of have to be uh, crazy to believe that you're going to be number one at something. Whatever it is, really, like there are so many people, uh, there are so many people in the world training tennis, you know, and to to think that you might win twenty five Grand Slams when no one has ever done more than twenty, well, twenty four, I guess, if you if you want to count Margaret Court, um, you kind of have to be crazy. So um, I, I I do think that mentality is actually good for you if you have the talent to back it up, and I mean yeah. she clearly does. Uh, yeah, Maxine what, what she what she does with it. Maxim, um. <laughs> he's not said 23, 24, but he has said, well, number one is within his grasp. Um, I actually asked uh, a young yeah, and, and, and Jake is talking about her, her shot selection as well. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. I asked a youngster at the Rafa yeah, Nadal Academy, uh, a young girl, a Spanish girl, about 14 years old, I think. And I said, I asked her, I said, what would you rather achieve? I said, would you rather win a Grand Slam or be world number one? And she said, be world number one for what it's worth. I don't know if that's the same for every single player on the tour, but interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I get, I get. It. It's a vote in 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 a, in in most sports. You you don't have the ranking, but even if you do, most sports, I still think you'd probably go for the title. Um, you know, if you said to, to to me as a as a footballer, would I rather win the Ballon d'Or or would I rather win the Champions League or World Cup? Well, you know, I, I'd probably take any trophy over the Ballon d'Or because it's a team sport, I guess. But yeah, but then there is something amazing about world number one. I mean, Marcelo Rios is the guy we need to ask this question to because he's been world number one and didn't win a Grand Slam. And I think he's the last man who falls into that category. I'm not sure who the last woman is, by the way. But um, yeah, for what it's worth. Okay, let's um, go for, for to... a long while, it was Karolina Wozniacki, but um, Ka- Karolina Pliskova, right? Um, she, oh, okay. she was number one. And there you go. Did not so more recent than I thought. Uh, slam. Dinara Safina also... Um, Tomorrow's, yeah, these are, these tomorrow's are action, I'd like to just have a quick word on that before we bring things to a close, Damien. Um, I'm just sharing on the screen some of the women's matches. Uh, any of those catch your eye? The, the six I've got on the screen right now, for example, that are kicking things off. I, I actually um, think we're probably going to do on the channel, I think Tennis Ranta James is going to commentate on Peyton Stearns against Kazakina for what it's worth. Any shocks you can see or surprises amongst these three uh, six matches? I mean, I, I am definitely excited to see Stearns again against Kasatkina. Uh, she was fabulous against Ostapenko, which we talked about on the last last ball drop show, or however you want to call it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just think that there is there is some chance for their her uh, for for her there. Um, Kasatkina, fantastic match against Vondroshova, Not to take anything away from her, but I think like her style of um, the other day I called it in an article. Um, creative counter punching <laughs> and like this style sort of leaves the opponent a bit of freedom and if Stearns can be uh, you know can start hitting that heavy forehand I would um, like like the way she was against Ostapenko I really want to see this and also if she can um, expose that weaker second serve from Kasatkina like she did to Ostapenko that could be very interesting to me uh, Pavlichenkova-Potapova, I think this is a really high quality match brewing there as well of course Potapova okay. being the um, runner-up at the French two years ago and um, Pavlichenkova, of course. Not, well, did I say yeah. Pavlichenkova? I can't yeah, remember. You know, you Pavlichenkova, of course, being the, the runner-up at the French and Potapova <laughs> um, improving so much this year. Yeah, uh, Pavlichenkova, of yeah, course, had really won, won a match um, on the And Potapova sport. being uh, the, you know, having, having improved and uh, Pavlichenkova yeah, hadn't won a match on that's... the singles tour for about a year until winning so in Madrid. And now she's obviously got a couple more in Paris. So uh, I've got a bit of a soft spot for her. And uh, I do think that probably her chance two years ago when she did go deep into the third set, I think it might have been 7-5, was it, against Kalachika in that third set? It was certainly very close in that third set. 9-7 against... maybe, I think. Was it 9-7 maybe? Okay. Yeah, because that was still in the days of Before the uh, no tie breaks. Yeah. Okay. So I just feel as though, unfortunately, that probably was her moment. But listen, I'm all here for it if she proves me wrong. Um, okay, Svitolina, of course, having a bit of a renaissance too. Oh, 9-7, sorry. 9-7 was, um, was the quarter that she played against Rybakina and she lost the final 6-4. No, it's not 9-7. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, 9-7 was the quarter that she played against Rybakina. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Over to the men's action tomorrow. I'm going to propose a question for you, which is this. One of Novak Djokovic or Carlos Alcaraz are going out tomorrow. Which one is it? If you have to choose. It's not a a real question, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I mean... mean, I don't think it has to be Novak. No, no, no. no. That's not what I mean. I think I think one of these has a significantly uh, better chance of surviving tomorrow. You you think Carlos Alcaraz will go through easily, right? And you think Djokovic is vulnerable? Yeah, Um, I just think Djokovic has a stronger rival. You know, someone who can deliver on like a more. Shapovalov, we know how he's going to play. We know how he's going to come out. Of course, if he just run, if he just comes out and peaks for three sets, maybe he can go, he can do something incredible, right? Uh, Davidovich Fokina, I think he could really just push Novak playing his own game, not really necessarily, um, you know, coming out and doing something special and just trying to um, trying to uh, hit the opponent of the court. He can actually rally with with Novak, I think. And um, yeah, I, I wonder how uh, how this is going to look. I think this is uh, the first like real test for Djokovic. I still think he makes it through, you know, but um, I would not be shocked with that loss at all. I think, you know, it, it, it's, just, it's just Ask how good you. Davidovic Fokina is. No, I mean, come on, that loss doesn't count. He was uh, like a, sh- uh, he was just a shadow of, um, of, yeah. um, um, you know, in terms of in terms of his, but the got to the final in Monte Carlo that year. You know, he he started to show himself on on you know of winning big matches, if you like, and, and getting to the final. I've been a bit surprised that he hasn't done better uh, on the on the clay this season. You know, going out in Estoril to Chechenato. Okay, he ran into Alcaraz in Barcelona, although no one pushed Alcaraz closer in Barcelona than David Shakina. City pass could barely lay a glove on Carlos. Um, same with Cam Norrie in the semi final. It was actually David Shakina who went to a really close tie break. And I think it was like 7 6 7 5 overall or 7 6 6 4 that match. I should know because I was at the match, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I can see him taking a set, but I do expect Novak to prevail. Um, Shabavalov, I, I haven't seen either of his two matches. I think that may have given me a better uh, chance to analyze it. But I, I just think the reason why I, I, I posed the question as well is because I think between Carlos and Novak right now, I know it's clear in the stats in that, that Carlos has dropped a, shit, dropped a set. But I also just think that Carlos isn't looking as supreme as he was for the first two clay court tournaments of the of the season, if you like. I don't really think we can say that after the two matches, you know. It just yeah. doesn't really matter, like, what he's going to do most of the time so far. Against Shapovalov, are we really going to get much info? It's going to be certainly a very different matchup than what he will have to face against someone like um, Djokovic or maybe even Tsitsipas in the quarters. So, I don't know. I, I just don't feel like uh, him playing against Taro Daniel or... 
uh, Flavio Koboli gave us much info, just like Djokovic playing Kovacevic didn't. Djokovic against Fucevic, you know, quirky st- quirky game plan that we've seen uh, trouble, uh, like Djokovic get troubled by before. So also we didn't really get much, I think, from it. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Two Grand Slam, two French Open former semi-finalists, or I should say, of course, Sitsipas was a finalist in 2021, but in 2020, these two guys were in the French Open semi-finals, albeit on opposite sides of the draw. Um, however, if Sitsipas has dropped a little since, say, 2021, Schwartzman has fallen off a cliff in the last two years. Um, I think this is a, a nice match for Stefanos. Yeah, nice I think at some point this could have been very close. Um, but I think right now there is a high possibility that this will just work like the Carpaez Bayana matchup for Tsitsipas, which is he just has too much freedom, really. He just comes out and, you know, the, the other guy can't really hurt him because right now there's no threat in Schwarzman's baseline game, basically. And uh, yeah, Tsitsipas, of course, he can get himself into trouble. That's something that that you can always do on the court. But even if he does, he's going to have so much time to actually work it around and, yeah, just, just finally do it, I think. So, yeah, I, I, w- I would just say that this probably isn't that much tougher than Kerbais Bayana was right now for him. That's at least what I think. Uh, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell because mm. I think we'll have a couple of commentaries for you tomorrow, one of which will be Djokovic, David Fakina. And the other one will be Kazakina. Um, who's Kazakina playing in her match? Stones. Stone. Stones, yeah, yeah. So we'll probably bring you those two matches tomorrow, so make sure you join us for that. Um, uh, Jake is saying that he's gutted that he's going to be missing Musetti Nori because he's going out for some beers. Well, um, maybe the beers would be the right choice. I don't know. Um, I don't know if, you're, if your pulse is racing by Musetti and Nori. Um, I would love to see Musetti uh, keep this level up, like what he's been playing in the first two rounds, and then play Alcaraz in the fourth round. That's what I want to see. So, um, yeah, that basically that's that's just what I Musetti have in mind. Alcaraz. Yes. Now, then things get very interesting. Then things get very interesting for Carlitos. Okay, um, I think that will bring today's show to an end. Unless you've got any, final I'm not comments. letting. I'm not letting you go without uh, a Sebastian Ofner mention because go he's uh, going to try to break the top 100 tomorrow. He is currently in the top 100 live, but like winning tomorrow would put him in there without any sort of you know mathematical doubt. He would be like 18 spots ahead or something. So, um, yeah, just basically wanted to get that out there. If anyone wants to see uh, a very happy Sebastian Ofner tomorrow at the end of his match, uh, then, you know, you know what to watch. If anyone wants to see a very um, displeased Sebastian Ofner at the end of the match, maybe you also know what to watch. I, I have no clue who's going to win this match. You know, Fonini has been uh saving his career here i suppose so far he is going to be really motivated to take this i suppose although you never know it's fanini but you know just needs to be mentioned that um this can be quite monumental for sebastian ofner tomorrow displeased players at the end of a match in victory or in defeat does seem to be a bit of a theme for the day uh we had one player winning in tears i know it's not displeased but in tears uh, in Daniel Altmaier. And we had another player that for a minute was uh, 
like this, which everyone's going crazy about in the chat. Uh, Damien, uh, thank you for joining me. Um, Sorry, today. one more thing, because Go Ghosty on. wants to talk about Peyton Stearns. I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. Just before you came on, I was talking about the fact that she will have some, you know, time to hit that forehand, uh, that Jack Sock-ish forehand. Even I heard this comparison on Twitter. I think Sock has a lot more, like, um, his spin rate is a lot more extreme. I would seek a different comparison. Uh, even when watching Stearns against Ostapenko, sometimes she was reminding me of Sable Field, actually, <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, is, is quite a name to live up to in terms of the quality of the forehands. And yeah, uh, Stearns was also targeting the Ostapenko second serve against Kasatkina. She can probably even target the first serve sometimes. So yes, Ghosty, I agree with you. I think, uh, I hope that this will make you very happy. Uh, it would be great if Ghosty could join us for the first commentary uh, tomorrow, but I think it'll be, it's a, it's 11 a.m. here, it's 10 a.m. in the UK, and it's about three or four in the morning for Ghosty. So I think even that might be for our loyal uh, fan that might be a bit of a stretch um okay listen everybody um thank you for stopping by damien uh thanks for joining us uh, again and i know you and i think nick will be uh in the chair tomorrow night to everyone's relief i will be not uh, front of house and stage but i want to leave everybody with one final message which is was he was he also doing this do you think? Or... Hey, hey, hey. I mean, Fritz, was he, was he just, um, you know, did he just have his finger here or did, was he also doing shh? I don't know. Just... I think he was also... If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Podcast Network. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.